0: Hello and welcome to the Goona Talk, back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our TGT podcast series, our weekly show the day after a league game and there isn't many of those left so you might find these popping up throughout the summer without a league game of course where we chat about the week's events, try to make sense of them and give you guys a little bit of therapy usually. But Arsenal did win, but so did West Ham. So any hope of European football on the actual kind of an OK-ish sort of level is still gone. Uh, and now we're left with the bottom of the barrel stuff to fight for on Sunday, which we're really looking forward to. Trust me, I keep smiling. Um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us and make sure you drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new as well. hope you've enjoying all of the content. We hit 22,000 subs today, which is amazing so thank you ever so much for all of the uh, support as always i'm joined by certain percentages of another podcast uh some people don't know what it is we'll go into that in a second it's the man who actually you can't find on his own show but we found him here and we're very grateful for it it's andy how's mate are you well
1: i mute. it's been a while since i've done this uh yeah i'm good how are you
0: Yes, very good. We should we should say, if you are watching this live, as soon as you finish, go over to the Gooners Pods uh, and give them a watch because they're doing some really cool stuff, a lot of American Arsenal stuff. Uh, so make mm-hmm. sure you check it out. And if you're not from America, even if you're not Arsenal, please do go and check it out still. Um, do it. But, but gradually, uh, Andy's ownership of that podcast may be dropping throughout. So let's see the progress on that yeah. one.
1: And um, I see Danny's percentage is going up. So good yeah. for him.
0: Yeah, I don't know. This is like the quickest deal ever. I hope that Daniel Ek can get a takeover done this quickly because that would be much appreciated. <laughs> Speaking of which, Danny, absolute pleasure from the Burkham Wonderland, of course. How are you doing? You well?
2: I'm very good. Thanks, Tom. It's nice to be on with four lovely Englishmen here, no there matter what go. one of them might try and put on some kind of dodgy accent. But that, is, <laughs> that 21% is the best 21 quid I've ever spent.
0: How much did it cost? Is it 20, was it a penny per percent or more? Or?
2: One pound per percent. But then wow. once it gets into the second 50, it's half the price.
0: Oh, that's just genius! That's the way that Stan Kroenke should have been selling Arsenal at this rate. We're, we need it to work that way. We're um, actually
1: paying Danny to be part owner of the pod. That's—he's <laughs> not buying <laughs> it. We're—we're we're paying him.
0: I love how quick Danny is at changing the percentages reactively. It's quite impressive. To me. Le- <laughs> legally binding, Tom. There you go. And Fantastic run it into stuff. the ground like
2: I've done my own pod. Don't worry. By the end of the year, they won't be doing any live shows anymore.
0: Uh, Pablo one of our expert members joins us as well this evening how you doing mate I say you're more than just an expert member you're our man on the ground at the protest is what you are so we (laughs) appreciate the live coverage you provide us how are you doing mate are you well I'm doing very
3: well Tom thanks for having us again and yeah I see I'm losing out on a percentage barrier here
0: I don't even know who they are I'm joking (laughs) Oh, dear me. I'm oh, like, we're so sorry. I genuinely have it. Please take this as a joke. Um, anyway, we're going to get on with the Arsenal stuff, of course, because lots of stuff happened yesterday beyond just Arsenal, which obviously affected us indirectly and directly, knocking us out of competitions that half the people of the sport Arsenal don't want to be involved in, putting us into a situation where no one at Arsenal wants to be involved in this competition, and yet somehow it's put us into a situation where we're now conflicted with the morals of being an Arsenal fan, wanted to try and Finish above Spurs and yet avoid finishing in another competition, and relying on Manchester City to lose at home in the final game against Everton for that not to happen. We're going to go into all of this and more. Uh, Pav, I'm going to reverse order, so Pablo. Obviously, yesterday's game we will touch on that in its kind of uh, in I suppose in an independent way. Uh, what did you make of a performance of a game where again we had to win in that situation? We didn't know what the West Ham school was going to be. We had to come out of a victory. And I got a very much uh, uh, a Villarreal kind of feeling of, well, we desperately need to win, but I'm watching a game in which the players don't seem to get that. Did you get that same feeling?
3: Uh, yeah, it was kind of frustrating to watch. It was really frustrating to watch. I mean, we started off the game well. I thought at the beginning of the game, we sort of seemed to be getting into it. We got the goal and then all of a sudden, as per usual, we just stopped playing, completely stopped playing. Um, I felt that Villa was on. Un- Villa? Palace? (laughs) Palace was unlucky. Um, Oh, we can talk about Villa in a bit, don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, don't get me started on them. Um, Yeah, I just thought really Palace then started getting on top of us and the 3-1 scoreline really sort of flattered us. But that's a sort of pattern that we keep having in this season. Is like we'll play teams like Chelsea and United and things like that and then we'll seem to pull off results and put in good performances. The games that we expect to win, Fulham... You know, Watford, all these sort of, um, Wolves, all these, I don't know what's wrong with me today. <laughs> <Wolves and everyone. laughs> it's the end of the but
0: season, mate, and you're done with Arsenal. That's what it is. Do
3: you know what? I actually done, I actually took, what was it, about a week and a half away from any social media, away from Arsenal and just looked at it in a completely different ball game. And I've got a different vision now for next season.
0: For he's it. detoxed. He's done an I, have, I have detoxed. <laughs> Don't blame me, mate. I'm for sure there's sure. plenty of other people that could probably take that advice going forward. Um, Danny, the man that popped up to save us ironically again. It seems there's an element of irony around Arsenal all the time at the moment. We see Granite Xhaka play at left back and then as soon as we're knocked out of Europe, Bakayo Saka's fielded there and obviously he's brilliant. We, we're desperately in need of points. We bring Martinelli on who can't get a start under Arteta and he saves us. It does seem the way that he, Arteta is this kind of very stubborn in the way he doesn't want to start the players that the fans do, and then when he kind of bends to their will and brings them on, they do make a very key difference. And we saw that with Martinelli yesterday.
2: It's almost like he, he either doesn't know what he's doing, or he's realised what he's doing isn't working. And to stay hip and on trend, he's not. He's not doing it. He's not going with the flow. We mm. we could all pick. All of us could pick the best team for every single game for the whole of this season now. And he hasn't picked them so often. And he's doing it over and over again. I've said it before. He is taking the worst aspects from Wenger and Pep and doing them. The uh, Oh, I've had a dream. I've had a vision. I've been on the ayahuasca. I've had a vision that if we played two false nines or two false eights, that'll work. Oh, I know. We'll play one bloke in midfield. Someone who doesn't really do all the tackling, who doesn't create goals and doesn't score, running around like a headless chicken and making him look bad. Yeah, that's that's a great, oh, that didn't work either. Oh, oh, now I'm going to do what Wenger did and play the wrong players in the wrong positions and bring players on with with what, sixty-eighth minute substitutions and stuff like that. We've gone for one extreme with Emery where he'd go half time, you're lot shit and bringing on eleven new players to, to uh, leaving it too late. It's we mm. we can't get it can't get a manager who's gonna look at it and do what we want him to do. Everybody knows that Martinelli should be getting more minutes. Even Lacazette should have come on last <laughs> night. The whole thing is, you look at it and you go, I mean, even some of the players, when when it was 1-1 and they're passing back and back and back, and I'm thinking, have you been told to do that? Do you not know how football works? We don't get points for passing back. It's driving us you, you Remember
0: the days where, like, under Arsene Wenger, we would be one-one against the side, home or away, and the last ten minutes we would be literally camped outside their box, passing it around, waking, waiting for the right time to do it. And we, I thought we were bad then. Like that was what I thought was the worst <laughs> yeah. I was gonna see of Arsenal when we were camped outside the box, unable to score, and eventually maybe Olivier Giroud pop up a header in the last few minutes or so. But now it's it's like. We we pass it round, but with no intent of getting really anywhere. And it took our substitute and our player, that's not even our player, Martin Erdogan, to finally chuck a ball into the box. I don't know about you, Andy, but was you also screaming at the television at the end of the game, just saying, cross the bloody ball? Yeah, because-
1: I, we, I, I hate the way we're playing. We take tons of risks yeah. out of the back just to keep the ball, and we don't even push forward and build the attack. So we're taking these massive risks, and then we play so slow that two passes later, it's just back with Leno. And it's so dangerous for us. And yeah, I was, I was watching it, like just fucking do something. Oh, I don't know if we can swear on this podcast. I'm the on the Gooners pod, Pablo, which is a podcast. We swear on that one. Uh, <laughs> But no, the whole point is that swear if you
0: want. You just have to apologise for Dave Lincoln's children, because Dave Lincoln's actually sent me an email saying, "Tom, I love your podcast so much, and we love you, Dave, for listening." He says the reason why I love watching it is because I can put it on in the car, and the kids are still there, and you don't swear at all, and it's great. So. No, but it's fine. If you if you need to, then, Dave, this is your warning that this episode may contra- contain some fruity language. So there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, the whole point is that we break a press, then we have numbers going forward at pace. We just play so slow. We get little with no reward besides just, like, some possession. And I want to go to Danny's point where he brought up Pep Guardiola. I think this answers the classic question of could Pep win if he didn't have the best players? And the answer is clearly he couldn't. Because we're just trying to do, <laughs> we're just trying to do what Man City are doing every week, and it's not working.
2: Have you so, lost complete faith? then? No, go on, Danny. Go so on. Go on. I'll let Andy finish. I'll just come on about that and
1: something else. I said it last week on our pod. I I've lost faith in Arteta with his decision making and the tactics. But I've also lost more faith in the board that I think, weirdly, Arteta is the only man that could manage us at this point and actually drive us forward because no other manager would want to join us with how badly we're being run from board down. And, and I'll say this because I, I tweeted it a little bit ago. Last night I had the pleasure of getting tickets to go to the Colorado Avalanche hockey game. The Avalanche are rated preseason the number one team in the NHL. We have the brightest future with the best team. We finished the league, president trophy winners, which isn't a huge deal in hockey, but it's a pretty big achievement where you're the number one team in the league, right? Going into the playoffs, everyone is like, this is avalanches to lose. Last night, they upped the attendance to the to the second game to about 9,000 people. Were the Cronkies there? No, they were not. So they've got this beautiful team that they've built, and they won't even show up for what's the biggest games of the season. Absolutely outrageous! I was so upset that they were the only ones not in the executive box. So upset. Sorry, sorry. I was Go just going to ask
2: Tom: Are you are you panicking that um, Arteta might have seen River Plate Independiente last night, where they played a midfielder in goal?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that was sounds, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, He's played for Valencia. He's they, they still won, so he might take inspiration won. from that. Yeah, I, God, I can imagine it. Uh, it's I mean It's I'm a crazy afraid. world of them, obviously. And that was obviously massively affected by things behind the scenes going on. But it, it does bother me that. I, I've obviously backed this guy to the hilt throughout the season to the detriment of myself <laughs> quite a lot <laughs> on social media and the chat box. And obviously a lot of people then taking pure pleasure in seeing Arsenal getting knocked out of European competition to then tweet me saying, do you still trust the process and all of this? But And I'm not annoyed by that whatsoever, clearly. Um, but it is for me so frustrating that he is so stubborn in some of the ways with the team selections with that. But there is things that I feel like have obviously improved and it's weird because I know that I said, and I sat here on the real Reaction show yesterday, straight after the game, or not straight after the game, at 11pm at night, and put the statistic that we are second in the form table over 23 weeks. And what do they say when you when you say stuff like that? The season doesn't start in December. <laughs> 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 and it's completely fair enough, and I completely agree with it. Um, and obviously, God bless Drew, um, because Drew obviously is uh, tweeting this stuff as well, and he's saying that, like um 13 wins five draws five losses i think it is if you said if we had a sacked arteta in december and the new manager came in and got us to second in the form table by the end of the season i think everyone would be lauding him for what they for what he's done um so I, i get that point but also the argument of the season doesn't start in in December is still a very valid one. Mm -hmm. And obviously along and in this journey, we've also been knocked out of the Europa League in utterly embarrassing fashion where we offered nothing across two legs against a Spanish team against Villarreal that we should have beaten in the most ironic of circumstances because they're managed by Unai Emery as well. All of those things combined mean that I can't really just take that that second in the form table into isolation because so much other rubbish has happened as well. But at the same time, Pablo, I'm still sitting there. I'm going, oh, that bloody game against Wolves. If we'd have just won that game against Wolves. <laughs> like, do you, do, Have you not found this season as equally encouraging in the second half as you found it mind-numbingly frustrating that things have gone against us? And also Arteta has been the architect of our own downfall so many
1: times.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was on the same boat as you, Tom. I was completely backing Arteta all the way through, and I just have arguments all over the place about, no, Arteta's the man. But, like I said, I took a little bit of time away from Arsenal to have a think about things, and I'm looking at it as two different sides or two different sets of um, issues here. First of all, I think the beginning of the season, one of our major problems is that we had a lot of older senior players who he was relying on. Because, I mean, any job you go into, if you're going to take over a business or anything like that, become a manager of a high company, you want experienced people, staff to sort of back you and get you there. Um, I think that's the approach that he took and unfortunately didn't pay off because the senior players that we did have in the squad at the time, they were the ones that were actually the issue. So up until January, when we got rid of all them players, I think that is a completely different Arsenal team to the second half of the league. Of the season, so yeah. although we're giving, although we're saying, yeah, the league starts, it doesn't start in January, but before that, we didn't really have the team capable of really performing, yeah, or is to that, follow instructions. The
0: is there not part of that to go then, though? But that's on Arteta and Edu to make sure we have got the players because Arteta omitted Meza Ozil. and I don't want to get into a whole debate about whether it was the right decision to uh, omit him. But it's very, very clear to me that the main difference between December, pre-December and post-December is that we've had a clear number 10 in Smith-Rowe and Erdogan coming in as well. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, we had a huge deficit of chance creation because we lacked that central credit. So is it on Pablo, those guys, for not sorting us out in the summer and not making the right decisions with the squad?
3: Yeah, I mean, it should have been sorted out in the summer. Um, But to think about it, I mean, I looked at it as... Before even Arteta took the job on... Yeah. Anybody that was going to take that job on my sort of realistic mind thought of it was that it was going to take three years minimum to try and get this team back up to top four. Yeah. yeah. And or at least competing for ch- for titles and stuff like that. Um Arteta's come in. He wasn't the right man at the right time because he just didn't have the experience to manage the team in such a dire state, really. Um So we kind of got lumbered. Well, he didn't get lumbered. He got given a job yeah we sort of thought oh maybe yeah, that's it, he's coming in, he's won the FA Cup, we've got the right man, but he hasn't got the know-how of dealing with players like as he's the main guy. He's always been a number two to Pep, but now everything falls on him, and I think I said there's two issues. So one of them was the players. The other one is the fact I think he's learning on a job, and while he's learning on a job, he's also Spanish, I'm half Spanish, I can say this they're stubborn. Stubborn people. (laughs) Trust me, you ain't met my man. Um, (laughs) They're really stubborn people. So they choose not to... Well, he's chosen not to go, like, make the decisions quicker than what he should have. Yeah? So keep him playing William. Um, All all these silly mistakes he was making, like not playing um, Martinelli... Um, not bringing Smith-Rowe in before December, not giving him the chance. He kept trying to rely on the older people. And once that wasn't working, that's when he should have, and this is my criticism of Arteta: he should have then made the decision to change things, but he left it too late. So that's what I think our season is sort of pretty much messed up with, is the fact that, for one, we didn't have the players to start off with. It was carrying a lot of dead weight. And two, Arteta's learning on a job, and this ain't a job for you to be learning on.
1: You know, I was at the match last night with a friend who just likes football and he was asking me the genuine question of like, what would you do in the summer to to fix Arsenal? And I was basically everything we've said, I was just like in his ear and he said to me, he goes, okay, so rewind 10 seasons. The 10 seasons Arsenal have just been shit, right? And he's like, so you're expecting Arteta to fix that in the first year and a half. And I was like, it's a fair point, right? There's a lot of deadwood at the club. They've removed a lot of, of Deadwood from the board, and they're slowly – per and so as supporters, we want instant gratitude and results. And I know that doesn't speak for, yeah, but the substitutions and the tactics and all that, I, I totally get that. But I'm also like at a, a higher picture because like Pablo, I've removed myself from Twitter. I'm just like it's too negative. I, but then I look at it because I, I gave up on Arsenal like before Christmas. But I look at it, and I'm like, well – it is going to take a long time. And that's why I don't have faith that any other manager would want this project. And that's why I have faith that Arteta is probably that man because he is young. He does like the club, right. And he knows our history. And I think he's the man to bring us forward to a certain point. But, you know, I also agree with Pablo where it's like, this isn't the role that you can gamble on, but maybe the board have told him he can, right. Maybe that's just what, that's what they've given him. And the board have probably said, hey, take a manager who's gonna gamble and try things, or take a manager who says this is my way like manga and it's or it's the highway. But then I also look at it and I'm like, Well, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't, because if this summer we went in and brought a number 10, half of our fan base would be like, Well, why isn't Smith Road giving a shot? You know, we have a young English kid, why isn't he giving the shot? Right. And now we've seen what happens when we give him the opportunity. So it's just it's crazy to me, man. It's crazy. I gotta lower my percentage here. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like every time I talk, I got to lower my percentage. But Tom, he's got a point with the, uh, the 10
2: years thing. But if you're in training to be a chef and for 10 years it's been absolute nonsense, and you come in and you decide, I'm going to replace sugar with salt because I think it looks better. That's, how many?
0: How many times yeah. are you going to be able to that? If, I I get the theory because say if you've got a restaurant that's been bad for ten years and you've now been the head chef for eighteen months and and you haven't really progressed anything, I think that maybe that there's an argument to say that there's questions to be had. I think that the thing is, in football, you can see kind of improvements in specific sectors. Like I think defensively, obviously, that has been an area that we have improved. I mean, you look at where we are defensively in the league table and that shows something. But it's come at such a big sacrifice to what we're capable of going forwards. It's almost not been worth it because it's made the football absolutely dire and we can't create consistently. And whilst I wanted a team that was able to be more resolute defensively and to not concede as many goals, I wanted it. It's not I don't think it's a case of being a kid in a toy shop once it wants in everything. I still wanted to improve the defense but maintain how good we were going forwards. And it just feels like a, a calamitous amount of decisions have been done wrongly. I know that we've had really kind of levels of misfortune that few other teams have had to deal with. I think that VAR has genuinely done us in so many times this season. It's re- it has been frustrating. And I know for, for those very vehemently uh, Arteta out people that don't want to touch kind of the the VAR and look at the injuries and stuff like that. But it has cha- it has changed the fortunes of this season, unfortunately, in, in so many ways. I mean, I don't know how Benteke was still on the pitch. Do you anyone know how Benteke was still on the pitch yesterday? <laughs> he assaulted but, El Nedi. <laughs> like, he just assaulted him.
3: They, they should have had, they should have been down to about nine men, I think. You have to
0: slip on... Who was it he tackled? um I can't remember it was. He put his I can't foot
3: remember down. Was, yeah, there was Saha as well. Didn't he have a issue as well? So it wasn't a... Tierney, was it? It might have been
0: Tierney. I, I missed the first five no, minutes. No, it was though. Chambers. Wasn't it Chambers?
1: Oh, that's oh, right. It, it was, one of, the, yeah, it it was, was one of the Chambers, I thought.
3: Yeah. yeah, it was Chambers. But like, I mean, this happens all the time, Tom. It's not an excuse. It's not me just trying to go, oh yeah, we've had a bad season because of VAR. But, there's so many games, so many incidents you can go back to. I mean, I saw someone put something on Twitter earlier on, and <laughs> it was quite funny, and it showed all these reckless tackles against us, yeah, and then it showed the David Louise red card where it was like a knee scrape, and yeah. you're having incidents like we had against Crystal Palace not being punished, and then we're getting players sent off for... Uh, Literally touching with the
0: knee. Oh, yeah. It's just our last. Is it last season? Aubameyang got sent off at Crystal Palace for the exact same tackle we saw on Callum Chambers. Yep. It is just a lack of consistency. It's a, some of the, the rules are ridiculous. And what frustrates me even more, if you're listening to to the commentary here in the UK, I won't give the broadcast the credit. Um, but Peter Walton is just the cheerleader of all referees at this point. He just, he's got his little pom-poms in the studio and cheering. Go refs, I agree with all your decisions because that is how it comes across. He just never, never disagrees with anything. And then what's really funny is that on Sky, they've got uh, Gallagher, who is obviously a former referee, who kind of tries to justify or, or disagree with the decisions. And then sometimes he goes, oh, I disagree with this or whatever. And then the FA gets an appeal from a club and then they overturn the decision that Gallagher agrees with. And it's just like, no one knows what's going on. It's absolutely mental.
3: Did did you hear what he said, I think, about the incident? Um, He said it should have been an amber card. I think for the tackle on Chambers, he said that was more of an amber incident.
0: What oh, the hell's that, an amber. <laughs> see the ref getting one of those out his pocket, to be honest. Uh, that's a great <laughs> description. Um, I, I get the theory behind it. I use that analogy sometimes. But for an official ref to justify a decision by saying, I'm not sure if it was right or wrong, that's not that's not what we're here for. Referees are meant to know the, for the difference between right and wrong, whether it's a foul or not a foul, or a red card or not a red card. It's as simple as that. And there, even some of the rules that are in place, like the handball rule next season, I don't know if you guys saw the Callum Wilson goal that was ruled out, uh, again, at the end of the game against Liverpool and then Joe Willock went and scored five minutes later or a couple of seconds later I think it was but that was ruled out for for handball and the commentary said and the pundits afterwards said oh but next season that would have counted because they're changing the handball rule actually and they had to a- apologise 15 minutes later because it actually turns out that, that is still going to be disallowed next season and effectively like in the FA Cup final where Jose Perez it touched his hand and then went on if it touches a player's hand and then it goes to someone else on the team and they score, that's fine. But if it's the person who's actually scored the goal where it touches a hand in the ball, like we saw with Martinelli yesterday, it was very close to maybe being construed as handball, then that will be ruled out. They're, they're now splitting it between the player that actually scores and the player that assists. So you can assist with your hand, you just can't score with one, is, is what it turns out to be. It's, it's mental. Um, but I feel like we are going off on a bit of a tangent. And obviously I do want to kind of, Gear the conversation towards the main topic of the show, which is around the idea and of where we finish. Now there are we can finish. I think seventh, eighth, or ninth uh, on the last game of the season. It all depends on the, the games around us. Spurs obviously play against Leicester away from home. Everton travel to Manchester City, and we play Brighton in what would be on paper the easiest tie of the games. Although our history of Brighton is not the best, uh, although we did manage to beat them this season, but. I want to know from all of you guys about where you kind of want to finish. If you are open to being involved in kind of the, uh, is this where you're you doing an oath that you're going to tell the truth? Yeah. No, I have,
1: a, I, I have a question, a genuine question. What is the seventh position league that we're going to get into?
0: The UEFA Conference League is. Can, someone, can you explain? So, you want to that give me. me? I can give you a rundown of what that yeah, is. Yeah, please,
1: because I genuinely don't okay. know. So
0: obviously, prior to this, you know, we had the Champions League and the Europa League, and it's always been like this, uh, other than when it wasn't. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> someone clip that. <laughs> yeah, but. In my lifetime, anyway. But after now, from next season, there will be a third-tier UEFA uh, competition, which is called the UEFA Conference. Now, the winner of the Europa League, of course, as we would have found out had we have actually tried, <laughs> would have qualified for the Champions League next season. The winner of the Conference League gets the oh, monumental shit. accolade of getting into the Europa League for next season. Um, but basically, the coefficients work where it's going to be one team, I think, from the top five leagues. So one English, German, Spanish, Italian and French. And then eventually, the further you go down the coefficients, the more teams you see. So I think Scotland have got two. Uh, Belgium, I think, have got even maybe two or three. And it works the same way as as all of the others, like group stage and then knockouts. But the only difference is in the Europa League's being shortened... So had we have actually qualified, we wouldn't have had to worry about a last 32 bollocks because it's actually just going to go straight to the last 16 now in the Europa League. And they're also going to go straight to the last 16 in this UEFA conference. And remember how the teams uh, for the Champions League dropped down into the Europa League? Well, the third place team in the Europa League, Andy, you're going to love this. They dropped, <laughs> down, they dropped down into the UEFA Conference League. So Rapid Vienna, who finished third in our group last season behind Moulder, they would drop
1: down into the Conference League. Um, so it's, yeah, so it's, what I'm, what it's, I'm hearing crashed, is, is this just, <laughs> a UEFA, I'm just hearing that this is just a UEFA money grab then. Is that what mm-hmm. I'm hearing? Yes. Okay. So there's
0: more teams involved in European competitions. No. How are they being played though? Because it used to be Thursday. Tuesday. So when are the European Thursday. games being played? Also Thursday. So they're basically run, I think when it's 32 teams in both competitions, you're going to have 30, yes, yeah, so you're going to have 32 games played across a Thursday across Europe. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, silly. That
1: sounds like a competition we could win, though.
0: Yeah, but also, no, but this is the point. This is the important point because it also sounds like a competition that Spurs could win, and this is an argument that has been put forward to say, Look, if you don't want us to be in this competition, at minimum, our aim should be stopping Spurs from entering something they can <laughs> actually win for once. <laughs> So I'm going to go around the room. We're going to get your thoughts. There's two questions I'm going to ask you, and obviously we'll see how the conversation unfolds. But Pablo, one, do you want us to try and avoid this? Do you want us to lose or draw uh, and finish outside of it? And secondly, how important is still finishing above Spurs to you, even if it means qualifying for this petty competition?
3: Listen. After the season that we've had, I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, if this is your target." Then this is what's wrong with the club. But after the season that we've had, and we still finish above Tottenham, that to me is—it's the only thing I can have this season. I can't have anything else. We ain't winning any cups. We're not qualifying qualifying to any major I'll say major. So the only thing we do have is finishing above Tottenham. And I'll tell you what—I'll take that. Everything single and any time. I don't care about the Conference League. I don't care about anything. I'd rather finish above them than not finish above them. And in terms of the Conference League, I mean, I don't see what people's major issue is with it. Now, to me, it's going to come down to Arteta and to the decisions that he's made. Um, the league is a priority next season. We have to concentrate on the league, yeah? The games on Thursdays, I believe, is going to be an opportunity to play the likes of Aziz, Balogun, um, even fringe players that are not necessarily playing week in, week out. Yeah. So if you've got like Chambers that might be our backup right back at that next season. So play him, play Pablo Mari, play Holding. You know, all these players that ain't getting regular football, that's an opportunity for them to get game time in. Yeah. The only issue I think we're gonna have, or Arteta's gonna have actually, is the fact that if we do go into this tournament, we are by rights and not being big headed, but we are the favourites to win it. If we're in it, we should be. As Arsenal football. Club,
0: should qualify.
3: <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is that. But um, but that's the thing, is like we are sort of like favourites to win it, and that is gonna apply a lot of pressure on Arteta. Now, I'm scared that because of that pressure that he has to win that, he will play a stronger team on a Thursday and then start trying to mix and match teams for the league games. So yeah. there's it's a double edged sword, really. I mean, I want to finish above Tottenham, I don't care about this conference league because I think if he plays his card rights. This could be good for the future to get young players breeded through. Um, but I'm just scared that because of the pressure of us having to win it, he's going to go with the decision of playing strong teams in this tournament.
0: Yeah. I really want to know what a double-headed sword is, Pablo. Is that a fork? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just a fork, isn't it? <laughs> double <laughs> ledge sword i think is what you yeah that's, that's the one we went for a fork we can go that's for cutlery like, if you like that's fine
3: in, in brazil that's how we say it all right okay fair
0: enough fair enough um danny at uh, the now 33.02 percent owners doing some quick maths as andy tries to make this more challenging with every <laughs> with every decimal point that's added um what, where's your head at with this? Do you care about finishing above Spurs? Is it something, and, and are you open to being in this competition? I was thinking this competition is
2: much like a European competition, much like your wedding. You've got the Champions League where you invite the whole day and then the wedding and the after bit. And then you've got the Europa League, which is, is just, just the, uh, the 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 disco and and the party at the end. And then you've got the Europa Champion, the U.S. Euro- Conference league, which is you're allowed in for the last 10 minutes when there's puke all over the tables and there's only stale sausage rolls left over that no one really wants. That's that's the analogy that I'm looking at. So,
0: uh, I'm not are you wait for in... are still collecting tickets on the door as, as you come in to get the money. That's, yeah, that's they,
2: they still want their they still want their cut. They're still going to come and take off your uh, your wedding cake and half the presents. It's it's mm-hmm. an absolute shambles. It's just yet another money grab where they don't give a damn about the fans. All they do is want more, more TV revenue, get more teams. At first, you think, oh, maybe maybe they're trying to help the smaller teams make a little bit of money. No, they're not. No, they don't care about you. And the uh, as as far as the St. Totteringham's day, we've been spoilt with them. I don't, I don't really want another one. It's much like birthdays. I've had loads. I don't really want any more. I'm perfectly happy to uh, finish below them. But looking at the last games of the season, Leeds below us, they could still uh, they could still finish above us. They've they're um they're going to beat West Brom. Everton are not going to beat Man City, and Spurs are away to Leicester. So they're all going to lose those games. Um, Leeds are going to win. Leeds could finish above the fourth, and we could end up finishing in eighth or ninth position. I don't care where we finish, as long as we're not in that pony, bloody European made-up nonsense league. It's pointless.
0: That's really interesting. because Obviously, I I think the, the chat books would call me a bit of a hypocrite if I didn't press you on it, because I've been saying it for quite a while, is that I can't get my head around not wanting to finish above spurs like i feel like it's ingrained in me as an Arsenal fan but you don't care it's not no. it's just oh, they they're inferior to us in every way they're rubbish for
2: finishing above them it's like finishing above west ham now it means absolutely nothing it can't we've be finished above 18 yeah. <laughs> 18 years in a row wasn't it or something like that it's just so many yeah. of them it means absolutely nothing i get more pleasure from that one picture of Harry kane standing there clapping to an empty stadium crying asking where the toilets are I got more more from that and the Harry Kane leaving in the summer and Son leaving in the summer. I'll get more joy from that than finishing above. It really doesn't matter. Next season, we'll finish above them, and we will again for the next 18 seasons after that. What is important is next season. I don't want to waste time, effort, and money and all that lot playing those shitty games. I don't even want to be in the Europa League next season. Mm,
1: Same.
0: Go on, Andy. I mean, is this mean yeah. I'm assuming then you don't want to be in the conference? Well, either. no,
1: you know what, you know what would be the ideal scenario is if we finish above Spurs and then we politely mm. decline to enter into that conference uh, <laughs> so league. you allowed to what do, we that. do
0: then is we have to well, well, we have to hope and, or basically we bribe Everton or we bribe City. Arteta guts on the phone to his mate Pep and says, Look, you need to let Everton <laughs> beat you. That's that's what you need to do. Because we don't want to be in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 would be my uh, you know, finish above Spurs. Uh, but you know, decline the decline. But but then people always say, well, "Well, you can't attract great players if you have if you don't have European football." Does the Conference League still count towards that, like <laughs> that grandeur of you those, those great- interviews?
0: Are like I've always dreamed of playing in the <laughs> <UF>
2: Conference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Andy, the only way on. we can finish above Spurs and not be in it, Leeds win. They'll end up on 59 points. Spurs need yeah. to lose about 14 nil to affect their goal difference. And then we need to draw with Brighton and Everton win. Then we'll finish ninth, Spurs 10th, and then Everton and Leeds above us because those yeah, Spurs well, have got a goal even, difference in 21. If-
0: if Spurs drop points and us and Everton win, we go above them basically. So mm-hmm. that's that's what yeah. we need to hope happens. And yeah, yeah so
1: I don't know. You know, I was looking just now, quick quick Google search, but they they were saying like the Europa League money is thirteen million euros, and then this is going to be eight and a half million euros. Don't get out there so, for that. You know, I mean. Did you see that?
0: Because I feel like that was on my video this morning, and I I worked that out. Did there's been oh, an article? I, no, I
1: literally just money from UEFA Conference League versus Europa League, and it was those. When did that websites. article
0: come out? Uh, it's me. from Marca. When are they watching my uh, videos? Because I literally worked that I, figure out. <laughs> I, exactly exactly that figure of... <laughs> as well. <'Cause> literally. <laughs> no. I did that this morning. I
1: said eighteenth of May. So two days ago. Oh, oh okay.
0: <laughs> I, I must have missed that. Article. That's really annoying. I was hoping that Marker had been watching TGT <laughs> trying to work out. <laughs> I worked basically. They must have done the same math as it means because I was trying to work out like how it breaks down from like, the multipliers of, of the ultimate prize money from the competition. And it, it does work. So they must be doing the same kind of math, yeah. which means I've done <laughs> the right thing. So that's I, I somewhat
1: agree with Danny, though, because like this season, if anything, you know, Finishing above Spurs will mean absolutely nothing come June because the biggest story for Spurs is going to be Harry Kane leaving, and that, for me, is enough to celebrate. So don't care what happens this weekend. If we do it, excellent. But if if I'm in the same boat as Pablo, if we do enter that BS conference, it's got to be for the kids. We can't put any stock in it. Don't care even if we make it to the quarterfinals and we're playing some Turkish – Team, like doesn't matter. Just let the kids play, let the fringe players play, and just give them the opportunity to prove themselves, right? And and let the academy take it over.
0: Yeah. I are we allowed I, to
1: I've do thought, that, Tom.
2: We're we allowed to play like um all under twenty ones or under but what they do is they're uh, like, not taking it seriously. So I mean so if you register the players,
1: right? If you register yeah. the players, then then you register that they're the ones who play. Yeah,
0: it would be
3: weird should be out to play.
0: It would be weird if we registered, like, the same Premier League squad. But obviously, with UEFA, it's, you don't have to register players under a certain age, do you? So if they're, like, players that are under a certain age don't have to be registered, I'm pretty sure. Like, Aziz wasn't in the Europa squad um, for the group that's stage. That's true, but yeah. So, but then we have um, the
2: Johnson's Paint Trophy as well. So that means we'll be playing in four cups.
0: Yeah, well, is, the, is it the EFL? Is they called the EFL yeah. Trophy now? Um, yeah. Oh, so, the Papa well, John's now, isn't it? Yeah, Pap Yes is the best. There are right? other pizzas are available. Did <laughs> our under twenty
1: threes <laughs> almost get relegated?
0: Yeah, they yeah, get, yeah it's, it's right. the, of the yeah, season. Yeah. Well, so
1: then maybe we're maybe we got to rethink this. But you know, if we created a European, <laughs> I think the kids can do it. You know, <laughs> no, I'm not sure. No. Now that I'm thinking about it, but if we created like a European Super League for our under 23s, we'd never get relegated yeah. from next. That. So why would we just do maybe that?
0: that's what this is. Maybe this is the secret Super League of the of the kids, <laughs> and then you're going to see the big five teams of Europe chucking in the kids. But I was saying this on the show this morning. I was like, typically, your Euro- continental sides take. UA for competitions very seriously at all mm-hmm. levels. So they don't rotate like we do. They genuinely, like you look at their, any sides, even in Spain, France, Italy, Germany, they play their big sides. They don't rotate heavily. They they will look at this competition uh, as a real opportunity to, to, to win some silver. I mean, I wrote a piece this morning about FC Utrecht who are suing the KNVB, which is basically the Dutch FA, because they've put, eurovision song contest on the same day as the playoff final in in holland which i think the winner of goes into the uefa conference second round of qualification which is crazy in itself and they are suing but they are are taking preliminary action against them because uh, they're moving the game to sunday which is technically not allowed (laughs) because if you can't fulfill a fixture you're meant to give a three nil defeat straight to the other Mm. team and the Eurovision Song Contest is being held in Rotterdam, which is where final play, and that's who FC Utrecht are playing. So they've, they have moved it to Sunday, and Utrecht have gone, no, hold on, you can't do that. If you can't fulfill the fixture, you've got to give us a three deal win. That's, that's how it works. And they're that desperate to get into the second round of qualifying for the UEFA conference. So it's, they will want to win it, these teams, which is crazy. See, to me, I just think, like, if we
3: don't have the conference, then when are you going to start bringing in the fringe players and the youth players? Because you want to put your strongest side out for the Premier League every single game, guaranteed, yeah? Yeah. And then just imagine someone drops off form, then you're going to be bringing someone in to replace that person who's dropped off form who hasn't had any match, like, at all throughout the season. So then they're not going to be able to do the job. I'm trying to look at it as a bigger. I don't really care about the name of the conference, what the prize is, or anything. Because if we're in it, we don't get any extra money. If we're in it, we get <laughs> I feel like they called it the
0: mega trophy. We might be a little bit more, but they called it the conference. <laughs> conference yeah.
3: Just just, like, <laughs> just made it worse for us. But my my view of it is is the longer the sort of like longer term of it to see like getting these players playing, and if we do need someone to come in and replace someone that's injured or someone that's not in their weight, then that player has had a few games throughout the season in this conference cup thing magic
1: Yeah. I, I, I do like I do like Antonio Banks' comment we cannot complain about the Super League but lack integrity of the game for other competition. That's totally right. Like in What's my opinion UEFA? I feel like I can then <laughs> right because like I've been saying it for a while like UEFA, you know, they pissed and moaned that the Super League wasn't for the fans and it was atrocious for football. They didn't even think about moving the Champions League final to England. They were offered a handful of stadiums to move it to. They didn't, they didn't even think through that. They just said, no, what's better for our pocketbooks, right? And this is just the same thing. And I read somewhere back during the, Euro- the Super League that when they move that, that Champions League format, there's going to be such a run of games for a lot of these teams that their suggestion that each major league will have to drop two teams, so we'll go from a 20-team Premier League to an 18-team Premier League. Oh,
0: really? And and wow. I don't
1: know if that's true or not, but I'm just like I haven't
0: heard anything on that level, right? But I mean, it, nothing is beyond the realms of possibility anymore. So,
1: so, so I, yeah, so I look at it and I'm like, as atrocious as the the Super League was, like this whole new format is just another money grab, right? And it's just another yeah. reason to have our fan base have to travel to these. I'm sure lovely, but very weird and very distant countries they're going to have to go to and spend the money to watch the Arsenal play.
2: For me, that's the only positive side is some of the people I've known on Twitter that go to games go, well, in a way, Arsenal fan, you're going to love this. You're going to go to some magnificent countries yeah, and see some, some great great little stadiums and all that. And I understand that, but I'll be sat at home here watching it. So I don't really care <laughs> where they're i but I we yeah. weren't.
0: Yeah, we've actually got to sit down and watch I've got to do a, a preview show a reaction show to FC and uh, you Boston won't be drunk through any
2: of those they'll be drunk all the way through all of those games they won't remember yeah. them the next day well you're going to have had three hours sleep and now I've got to go and
1: write some articles Yeah. well what yeah. annoys me is that it continues Sunday football like we don't get any Saturday matches you know, oh yeah is- I was looking but, at the, um,
2: before this, this is the fifth European competition. We've had the, the, Europa, the Champions League, which was the European Cup. Then we had the Cup Winners Cup. Then we had the UA, the FAIRS Cup, UEFA Cup, Europa League. Then we had Toto. the Intertoto Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just reading, then we got this new one. I'm just reading about the, the last ever 2008 UEFA Intertoto Cup. Eight of the 11 Intertoto Cup winners, there was 11 winners of that tournament entered into the uefa cup by winning their qualifying ties round into the first round five of those eight sides went into the first round and then four of those five qualified for the round of 32 only braga pro- progressed to the round of 16 look i mean it's just overly complicated not what what football fans want team a v team b home and away they go through that's how we want it and then, mm-hmm. then the competitions would make fun. We don't care about the group stage. And aren't they? Don't, didn't I read Tom that they're doing bigger groups as well? So the groups before were all four teams. Now they're going to be what, five or six?
0: Oh, well, I didn't know if that was. Yeah. I haven't said that. I haven't seen that. I knew. I know about the Champions League changing to a Swiss league model, but I don't know if yeah, that's right. We all start. know what that is. Yeah, yeah. so this is <laughs> the Super League in for four. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, it is. That's
3: pretty
1: much. Pretty much. That's all it is. It's, it, is cra- like, crazy. it
0: is crazy. I mean, it's, I yeah, haven't seen about
1: the group it, stage. It, though. It, Here's a question, though, that, that we – all right. So with the new Champions League format in a few seasons from now, the coefficients will dictate who – which some teams get in, right? So for us winning this conference, does that help our coefficient go up so when we do in the future finish eighth or ninth, we get a Champions League spot? Probably
0: not. No. no. We we'll um, probably get of so points.
3: So. Yeah, probably.
0: I can't see anything about the size of the groups. um, I think I was reading about it on some young bloke who's got a
2: YouTube channel and he explained the entire thing. And I'm sure he said they're expanding it, the, the, uh, the conference league, to six teams per group. And loads. Oh, no, it wasn't you. No, was, uh, oh, okay. some... For me, I was yeah. thinking, oh, I'm
0: sure I didn't say
2: that. <laughs> no, 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 that's it. Congrats on the 20,000 20, subs as well now, isn't that's it? huge.
0: 22, 22, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's 20... I, mean, I don't know why they're, they're, they're just so interested for some. I don't know what it is. It's weird. It's like they love transfers or something. <laughs> that's what it is. Um, but here's a tip. If you make it an Arsenal channel, talk about transfers. <laughs> it works. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but if um if we're talking about kind of how do you then go into the summer in this competition, right? Because, I mean, you've probably all been looking at the finances. I mean, Andy, you were just talking about the difference between all of these different competitions. The Champions League money in comparison to these two is absolutely vast. Like, the fact that Champions League sides, like, ironically, what we were, weren't able to open up a big gap on all of the teams that weren't in the Champions League for that long is, frankly, embarrassing. Like, I used to look at the... the um, like Arsenal was a bit of a club under Arsene Wenger during those years as a really amazing achievement that we managed to stay in top four this entire time. But it's no wonder that we did, because everyone else in the league was barely getting any money, because there was the only other competitions they are involved in were paying them peanuts in comparison to the Champions League. I know we were using a lot of it to pay off our stadium debt, but at the same time, the competition just wasn't there. And now we've got to a stage where everyone has closed up to us. We're now in a situation where we're the eighth, ninth best team in the league this season. And not only because of luck or VAR, which we have talked about, but teams like... Uh, West Ham, teams that are like Leicester, deserve to be in those positions above us and have been better than us and are crafting squads that are better than ours. And I get really... I don't know about you, Danny, but I get really frustrated when people use the names of clubs to batter them. Like when people use terms like West Ham are above us. How can West Ham be above us? Well, how can Leicester be above us? And I say, because they bloody deserve to be. Like you're-, you're not ever there on merit. And the irony is, is that the same people absolutely lambasted the Super League for bringing in teams on historic merit when they're putting Arsenal up on a pedestal on historical merit and only that. So do you, how do you, in your mind, and this is going to be the big question, solve this problem? How do we get back to, to that stage? And is it going to be under Arteta? You're right about the um,
2: saying how they're above us. The classic one is how did Leicester win the league? Well, bloody good owners, bloody good manager and bloody good players and bloody oh, yeah. good investment. There you go. That's how they did it. And how do we get back the way? I think um, patience is is going to be the key word. And I know for Chelsea it works, chopping and changing, but Chelsea have just lost the FA Cup final. They're about to lose the Champions League final and they may not scrape into the top four because it looks like, I mean, it could be close that Liverpool, because uh, a yeah, uh, Leicester have got six. I yeah, think... I mean, Chelsea could still not make it. If Leicester yeah. and Liverpool win, Chelsea could make fifth. But they're Chelsea have
0: got... Aston Villa on the last game, which, I mean, they beat Spurs. It'll be a tough game for them. Leicester mm, have got, obviously, Spurs yeah. themselves. Uh, and I think Liverpool have got a, a fairly simple game against Crystal Palace. So you imagine they're going to make it. But, I mean, that's dream scenario if Chelsea drop out, because that'd be brilliant.
2: It'd be hilarious, because yeah. uh, Tommy Tickles wouldn't be the, the, the new um, messiah when it comes to football. But how do, we, how do we do it? You've got to use the right players in the right positions and do what is best for the club. Not do what is best for you as a manager. Whether you don't keep trying to save face and go, we saw it last night. One nil up, shut up shop, and then they scored, like it always happens. And then you look back at the history books and you'll go, oh, we we beat we beat Palace three one. That's a bloody good result. No, no, it isn't. Now and for the next week, we'll go. That was a shit game. We played shit most of the time. We fluked it at the end. But historically, you go three one win. Oh, that was a great season. Oh, Arteta knew what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's doing at times. And I don't know why he keeps doing it. And is he – I can't think of a logical reason why, apart from not wanting to spite his nose by chewing his face off or some combination of words
0: like that. That's the only
2: thing. Because Could be, well,
0: could be a double-headed yeah. sword, man.
2: So you know, yeah. <laughs> well, we just need to be patient. And I don't think any other manager is going to be able to do it. Because um, if anyone else comes in, the first thing they're going to want to do is bring in all their people, bring in a uh, £200 million worth of talent and then get rid of like, half of the players there. And we have got a nucleus of a really good spine. And people, it amazes me when people slag off Leno.
3: My God,
0: see, so yeah. some of the slaves he did last night.
3: Well, don't get me started on that. Really
2: I've
0: been guilty of it a bit. I mean, he has yeah. got very flappy wrists at times. He, he blocked it
2: and saved it last night. I thought, well, there yeah. you go. He has, he has good games through.
0: and he has bad games. And I think that the thing about Leno for me is, is that I've, I have previously backed him. And I honestly, the Emmy Martinez debate used to absolutely kill me at times. It really got on, on my nerves because I understood why we sold him. Because no one was coming in for Leno. And he had t- he'd had had 10 good games and it was like, look, we've got an amazing bid from Villa. It makes sense at this time to move him on and keep Leno because no one's coming in for Leno and he's our number one. What has transpired is that Emmy Martinez has gone on to be the best keeper in the Premier League this season, which is fair play to him. He's got a better save percentage, I think, than any other keeper in the in the table. And it does look really silly. But I still understand why we did sell him at the time. And it's not a criticism of the club. Yeah, we can go around and say, yeah, we probably made a mistake. But back with the benefit of hindsight, it's very easy to say that. Um but Leno for me, I, I I could I could let him go. I'm very very open to that. Don't um, Dortmund want a
2: new? Isn't Berkey? Is it Berkey at Dortmund? Berkey and Hits are the Dortmund keepers. Yeah, they, so... neither of them are brilliant. No, Inter Milan could do with a new goalkeeper. Handanovic is. Uh, I always hear that someone screaming Handanovic. I don't remember who does it. Is it a commentator?
1: <laughs> I don't know.
2: Handanovic, are you playing too much FIFA? <laughs> I've not played that game in years. I can't. But there's so many teams out there that would need a good goalkeeper, and he is a good goalie, and we'll get thirty, thirty-five million for him. Well, he's and, an and can, can we? Can- can-
3: can on, we get a replacement that's as good as him for 30 million?
0: Well, I I think Bono from Sevilla is a decent choice, to be honest. Uh, I, I think he's, he's very good. 15 clean sheets this season, 28 goals conceded in 33, so less than the goal of the game, which is good for them got them into a title race with, with his keeping. So I think there are keepers out there. People talk about Davin Rea at Brentford as a homegrown option yeah, as well. That
2: cost too yeah. much. The but, Ajax one, but, he looks pretty decent. Oh, no, no. Yeah, he's on a
0: ban, though, sure sort of,
3: hasn't
2: he? Yeah, well,
0: he's got an appeal in June, so we see what happens. <laughs> he that. didn't want to get pregnant. But, but the thing with Leno to is, me... is <laughs> crazy. You the, thing,
3: it. the thing with Leno is his last season... He was one of our players of the season. Yeah, people yeah. quickly forget that, and, don't they? And that's, that's what I'm saying. That's so easily forgotten. He went for a... Even this season, he's pulled us out of a few sticky situations. But you will have a few bad games, and then it's almost like we sort of don't back our players. Like I'll, I'll use Willock as a good example. Look how good he's playing over there, because he's been shown the love and support from the Newcastle fans. I'm not saying Willock is right for Arsenal. <laughs> so I kind of contradicting myself. We question on that.
0: But, question's yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah.
3: but to me, I think that because of the way we are as Arsenal fans and the social media pressure and everything else, as soon as one of our players has a slight dip in form, that's it. That we, We've got either they're the best players going or they're, that's, they're, we've got to get rid of them, they're rubbish and we've never seen anything so bad in our lives and we we got to stop doing that as a fan base i think so to,
1: to answer your original question tom i think for us you got to look it in waves right so a couple of seasons ago we saw wave one where we got rid of some board members and we replaced them with what we perceived or the Kronkies perceived were football minded Folk to make up for the lack of the cronky knowledge, right? Cuz they just they don't know what the hell world football and what's going on with transfers. I think wave 2 is we got rid of the outrageous wage packets players were on. Danny, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the beginning of this season we cleared what 500,000 plus pounds a week, right? And that's um, if not more. I think wave 3 was uh, you know, player purchases and youth inclusion. I think we're seeing some positive signs in the transfer window with Bar Pepe, Kieran Tierney, Gabriel, Partey, our youth inclusion with Smith-Rowe, Saka, Martinelli. I, I think it was a lot of health-related issues where they just are nursing him back, right? Why rush him back when we know that we're going to finish 7th if, if or 10th, right? What's the point? Don't rush it. Just give him a summer to relax. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be included in the Brazilian squad this summer. I hope so. It would be great if he did, Yeah.
0: He is. He's um, in the Olympics.
1: Oh, excellent. Um, and then. So I is Gabrielle this summer, the back, Sweet. And I think this summer is the most important, right? Get rid of some of these players that we were talking about. Um, you know, it, it makes me laugh to, to the point you guys were talking about before where everyone's like, Bellerin's not good enough for Arsenal. Let's sell him to Barcelona or PSG. It's like, well, <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on a second. If he's <laughs> like, not good enough for us, why are we selling it to them? And everyone's like, well, because they'll give us a lot of money for him. It's like, okay, well, then. Have that be your first argument? That let's use a young player who is decent and and use that to get money. But we point at the wrong things, right? Like we 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 jump on these um these fans and like I just saw someone in the comment be like, Willock had a good season. Let's him for thirty million pounds. Well, we don't really have any central midfielders going into next season because we're getting rid of all the low knees and we're gonna sell a couple. So it's like maybe we should look at some of these players and say like, where are we at as a club? And are we gonna actually replace Gwen Doozy leaving? lt eleven leaving, the two lonies going back to Real. Like so, I just I think this summer is going to be huge with who we sell and who we bring in, and I hope our recruitment efforts are on point. But they've pointed to being that right. I'm I've been I've been on party. I've been giving Tom crap in our WhatsApp group because I've just been like, you told me he was going to transform the team, but he's just he's being played just poorly. Like it's or tactically, it's, it's not fair to him, right? So, but that's off the pitch. On the in pitch, of- we need Arteta to just change.
3: In terms of personnel, I think, like like you're saying, off the pitch, they're bringing in the right people. They're sort of covering the areas that we need replacing. Um, I mean, bringing in Gabriel, Partey, all that. So, I mean, we've been crying out for players like that for a long time. Arteta's issue, unfortunately, is actually on the pitch. Yeah. It's not off the pitch. And that's, that's the bit that worries me because I, I like Arteta and mm. I wish he would Sort himself out on a football pitch, but maybe just get him as a head of recruitment or something with Edu. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm not worried about this transfer window, really. Like, I, I try, I look at the last two and I see, like, as you say, Gabriel and Partey come in, I see Tierney and Martinelli coming in the previous one. I mean, Pepe's, I, I think that was more Raul, and obviously, Willian, I look at as more into the Raul side of things too. And I know it's not been perfect, and there has been the Runnersons and the Willians, as I've already said, but. We have made some big changes, and so I have the hope that um, I think the transfer window is going to be okay. I think I'm going to get to the end of it and think, you know what, we've done all right. Um, that's that's my prediction within the most vague way possible, as I think it's going to be an okay transfer window. But it's it is as you say, Pablo. It's in what we do with those players. We could get a when we could, hell we could go get and Grealish right now, even though I don't think that's going to be realistic, and oh, I still absolutely. don't. think... I know, so do I. But I still don't oh. think that would n- transform us like, because I, the the way that we're playing football right now is such a problem. And there is always going to be in the back of my mind going, "Well, if Arteta had better players," but then I do look at the squad and I go, "Well, he's got he's got these guys, and like on paper they are seemingly quite a bit better than than they're actually performing, especially our attacking players." And and maybe only maybe the signs of the. The form table since Christmas are elements maybe that there's potential there. Obviously, we've seen performances like at home to Spurs, uh, away to uh, West Brom and Brighton, away to Leicester, home to Leeds. Where we really did pop off and, and home to Chelsea when we absolutely smashed and, and and performances like that and even defensive displays like away to Chelsea so recently, where that defensive side of the game came in really handy to get those three points. And that does fill with a bit of hope, but it's just the consistency and then a the little bit of flair that we seemingly are missing and. And that's where I really start to worry, if that makes sense.
2: And we got the four win league wins in a row for the first time since the start of the 18-19 season.
0: Four away wins in a row, is that? All... No,
2: four league wins in a row. Four, the last time we four did that was when, was when Emery did it. And I think we had seven wins in a row at the start of his... I mean, his yeah. first game yeah. of the season were Man City and Chelsea, which we lost. And then he had seven wins in a row, a few draws, and then another few wins. I think wasn't that twenty three games unbeaten or something? We all thought, that's it. Was it. Like 20, it was 22.
1: and that's when Mustafi was just just legendary status. Yeah,
2: yeah he, he, was he
3: was, like,
0: unreal. Yeah, <laughs> was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Dear me. Oh, it's, it's so frustrating, isn't it? Um, but it's it's what we have right now and we've got to deal with this fact. Anyway, we are moving into the final section of the show, which I so unequivocally haven't stolen from the Gooners pod for user questions. Okay, uh, here we go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're getting very close to Andy losing all ownership entirely. He's only down to seven <laughs> percent now. Let's see if let's see if he's lost it all by the end. Um anyway, it is time for questions in the chat. So if you have got one to throw in. Please make sure you do and we'll try and get through as many of them as possible. Use the capital Q so they can stand out. Otherwise, I'm just not going to be able to see it because there are loads that typically come in. So try and help them stand out. Um, I'm going to kick this off though with a question just to kind of get things running. So I imagine there may be some questions on Willock which I will highlight as we go through. But Pablo, I mean, Danny I mean, sorry, Andy said there is that like, we've got a player that's scoring goals away at Newcastle. We have lacked goals from midfield quite a lot. um, But we've got a We've got Joe alone at Newcastle scoring loads of goals, and he's not getting Arsenal's team. Could be worth a bit of money. What side of the line are you falling on for this summer's future of, of Joe Willock? I'm thinking
3: selling. I know. I know a lot of people probably think, oh well, look how many goals and he just died and inside." You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, the thing I is, I'm, I would say, <laughs> it's more. It's not even really down to Joe's issue himself. I think it's more down to Arteta and the style of football that he plays. Um, He played Joe a fair few times and it just didn't work. He looked lost in the middle of the pitch, but that's not because of him. I think that's more because of the tactics that we play and how Arteta, I think he overcomplicates things way too much. Yeah, So maybe Joe Willock just ain't up to that sort of style of football where I think in Newcastle, it's been kind of almost been made like centre of attention, just go and do what you want, do play your best football that you can and crack on with it. And that's the results that they're getting. Where with us, Arteta's so, I don't know, so like strict in the way that he wants every single player to play that that's not, that's not Will's strength. So to me, if he doesn't suit our system, although he might be a very good player and be doing very well, get rid of him and bring on people that will suit, suit Arteta's system because unfortunately we are going to have him next season. We don't have a choice. They're not going to sell him, so we might as well get the players to sort of suit his system. And then if it doesn't work, fair enough, get rid of him.
0: How We're much would you sell Arteta for? <laughs> 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 I'm surely we can get a good six million for the guy now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, I, I say it as a joke, but genuinely, teams end up paying clubs for, for managers at the moment I mean they've done it with who was it um, it's, Nagelsmann's gone for a good 20 million euros I think it to Bayern is. Munich or something like that
3: I read somewhere this week that he was linked with Barcelona's job
0: oh Hansi Flick you're talking about yeah. the Bayern, the Bayern guys. yeah yeah so I mean Bayern are basically trying to sweet talk him away from the German job but it's, it's not going to happen he will he'll, he'll no. still go German yeah um, anyway, let's let's kick off our questions with uh, Chris P, who Danny says, uh, would you bring Erdogan back if we bought ben Di- uh, Buendia as well? He wants both of them. So if we get Buendia, would you still see a need to bring in Erdogan, he's asking. You're asking me? Yes. No, I
2: thought you were. Um, where are we going to get the money from that? Buendia's at <laughs> – we'll um, he's, yeah, he's the Argentinian at Norwich, isn't he? Yes, I think this season he's got 14 goals and 16 assists. I Add one heard, to um, both of those. Ah, I was listening to Charles Watts earlier today. I've <laughs> um, still got a few other shows to catch up on. They they're going to want 30, 40 million pounds for him. Odegaard, they're going to want 30 or 40 million pounds. That's that's nearly all of our transfer budget gone on one oh, player. Eduardo
0: Hagen will say that you can get both Camavinga. Who and, is that? Uh, awesome? I, I seen him everywhere. I don't follow him. But he's just, is it a parody? <laughs> No, he's, he says that he wants to be a, a football journalist. He's like an aspiring football journalist. He's, he's, I think he's taken it upon himself to be the Bells' replacement this summer. So oh, bear, bear that in mind. But he tweeted something about you can get both Camavinga and Basuma for th- for £60 million <laughs> combined. And everyone just went, no. <laughs> Good luck with that. No
2: but you, you look yeah. at our, our players this season. I mean, Willock has got seven goals in 13 games for Newcastle. Odegaard has got one all season. Ceballos has none. Elneny has one, fluke. Jack uh, has had one and Partey's had none. I'm just looking here, Parties had 27 shots at goal this season. They're not In- at all, all them, that's, all, that's of them. all
1: of them have gone out of the Emirates as well. I yeah. should say
2: it should say 27 shots at the way end not at goal. Make it a little bit more yeah, I think accurate. They had sell first yeah. part before they oh, had the Emirates. Yeah. But <laughs> We need oh, yeah. someone who's going to score goals. Why spend money on people? We've had one like the Odegaard who isn't scoring goals. He's a great player, but he's a bit of a luxury player. We mm. want someone like Ramsey who's going to be up and down and score goals. He's passing, as someone pointed out to me, his passing isn't that fantastic. But when you score goals, you don't need to worry about the passing. We need someone. I was watching the um, the uh, the Sheffield United player. I was watching a, a video about him last night. There you go. Oh, he reminds me of Vieira. Not quite, not in exactly the same quality kind of player, but in his ability to, he's oh. six foot five and he loves to run with the ball. You ain't getting the ball off him. Up and down, box to box the whole time. I thought I'd really like to see him. It's, it's typical. I think, what do they pay? 23 million. We've offered them 18. They want 25. Just just yeah. pay them. Get him in. They want to get rid. They can't afford to keep him. He won't want to stay in the championship. He's Norwegian. And uh, I just dislike like everything about him. He loves to have a pot shot. But I wouldn't have Odegaard. He's, he's too good for us. And then Buendia, well, he, what did he do in, in the Premier League with, with Norwich in the first one season? Goal. He was one goal. Yeah. And he's done it in the champion, in the championship. Anyone can do it in the championship. We've one got more. someone there who has done it. And it's not like Willock is scoring against rubbish teams. He scored on his debut against Southampton. He scored one against Spurs, uh, West Ham, Liverpool, Leicester, Man City and then Sheffield United. He's, we've got a player there who'll slot in in behind. If he he's just, He likes to play on the right-hand side a little bit, but we'd have Smith Rowe playing in the 10 and he can play in the be the midfielder next to, to Partey and it's not going to cost us any money, which which the Conkeys like.
0: I feel like Andy you're on the same kind of page as, as Danny regarding Willock. Is, is that am I right in that assumption? I mean if if Newcastle came along and said, look, here's 35 million for a kid that's not played for you like really, he's had quite a few appearances, but he's not been like trusted to be a consistent player in yeah. the 11. If they come along and said, "Look, we're going to give you thirty-five million for this guy," are you tempted in any way to take that money?
1: If we know that the that the replacements and the money is going to be used for the right players, right? But at this yeah. point, I love yeah. <laughs> the. I mean, my big thing and and I talk about it all the time is giving English players a chance to play for Arsenal, and we have. You know, we talked years ago about that British core. Well, we now have a little English core. Uh, well, let's say British because Tierney's in there as well that are actually making a big difference for this team and have a bright, bright future. Um, I'd love to see him given a chance, but I agree with Pablo. The, the opportunities that he was given, he was played out of position or tactically he wasn't utilized uh Bruce is allowing him to just roam forward and play attacking football, and we just we're, we're not going to see that. So I think the system at Newcastle fits him very well. But I'm on I'm I'm with Danny on this, and and I would love to see Odegaard return, probably on another loan. I do think he is too good for us, and uh, but I think we're the right size club for him. I think he could bring us back to where he he reminds me of everything we wanted Ozil to be. He tracks back, he defends. But man, when he gets the ball and he pushes forward, there's just something special that happens, and it allows Saka and Smith Rowe to just lose control and make runs. And like, it's just he's a great player, and I'd love to see him. But we can't afford him. I, and Tom, you'll know better than me. Everything that you read online is Real Madrid are just desperate for cash. So maybe taking his wage bill for another season, yeah. get him embedded into our squad a little bit more. And then I think he's out of contract sooner than later, right? And so maybe if he sets up home in London, he'll want to stay. But I would prioritize him playing. Um, I, I just think he's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I I see both sides to it. I think that the thing with Erdogan is he's very easy to overlook because of the lack of goal and assist output in raw numbers uh, at the moment. At the end of the day, this is a guy that was injured for the first half of the season at Real Madrid, barely played a minute of football, um, had an amazing season at Real Sociedad previously on loan with them. He's barely played this season. He's come into a team in a completely new league that he doesn't know anything about, into a team that is in the lowest possible situation you've ever seen it at Arsenal, and we're expecting him to then drag this team to a Europa League victory and up to the top four. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen for him. and It's it's the wrong time. He needs time to settle and and bed in, and he needs a pre-season at Arsenal. If we want to get Erdogan in, then you need to get him in at the start of next season. But... I think I have a couple of times on shows, I think pretty much after games, where I've been like, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that fussed on a guard. But actually when you sit back and you take a few minutes to to reflect on him as a player and actually what he might need, I don't think he should be disregarded so carelessly because I think he's someone that could make a difference. On Willock though it's interesting because that you talk about kind of uh, and what Pablo was saying about, we don't use him in the right system, we don't use him here and there, and we could flourish. There's a couple of people in the chat saying that he's working at Newcastle because they don't dominate possession, which Arsenal do tend to do quite often. And maybe he works in that system out of possession where he can nip into the box on the counter-attack, win the ball back in midfield, stuff like that. And, and he isn't actually going to get used at Arsenal in the correct way. So if we're never going to get him to the best of his abilities at Arsenal, why not just take the money for him? um which i suppose is a fair point i don't know what's going to happen really in the summer until we hear anything concrete supposedly he's open to the actual move to to newcastle they're going to make a bid that's for a guarantee at this stage we just got to see how much it is and, and what Arsenal are we willing to go for. I reckon that Arsenal are going to accept a fee way lower than we should be, though, I guarantee it. It's going to be a um,
1: Chesney situation all over yeah. again. Kieran that must Gibbs, be a typo.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: Kieran Gibbs got offered eight million,
0: rejected. Eventually, we sold him for six million. <laughs> <laughs> that is just what happens at Arsenal. Um, Alexander in the chat, who was a long-time listener, says, lads, I got engaged tonight. She's a gooner as well. Oh, Hoopier congratulations. congratulations I don't know. I think I've started a tra- Friend, first me, then Jared gets engaged. Now Matt is, honestly, you need to stop, guys. You know, you always end up start wearing black T-shirts every single week. So, um, Real Janice is asking, Belotti or Bubakar Kamara? Andy, I know you know a lot about both of those players, so I'm going to let you
1: tackle this one. Is is Belotti the forward for um, the Torino. Italians? Yeah, Torino. Uh, I know that when I bought him on Football Manager the last couple editions, <laughs> he's absolutely banged in the goals. I don't know the other guy, so I'm going to take him.
0: I don't know much about Kamara either. I think he plays for Marseille. I'm just checking. He does play for Marseille. He is 21 years old and he scored no goals in 34 games. He's perfect. Oh, Get, it in. In.
1: Get it done.
0: If that is the right guy, I might be looking at the wrong guy. I don't know. Um, but there you go. Uh, Carol asked an interesting question. Andy, I'll ask you more fairly. He says, Who has been your best player this season out of the Arsenal team? That oh, actually right. means. Outside of Arsenal, like <laughs> just
1: outside the Arsenal team, but go on. What do you uh, think? I, for me, it's got to be Saka. I've just been so impressed with him. He's so young. He's so poised. He's gotten better over the season. Um, he stepped up and scored some big goals for us. He's he's just absolutely superb. I, I can't wait to see him get into the Euros squad as well for England. I think he's just going to be our. He's going to be fantastic. I think we've got one of the best young players in Europe. So for me, it's been him. And then, uh, yeah, that's my answer.
0: There you go. Apparently that Kamara guy is a centre-back, so maybe it makes sense that he's got no no goals (laughs) in 34 games. (laughs) I've never really heard of that guy. There you go. Always read the small print, people. There's a lesson. Um, Let's scroll up and get another question. Uh, Manu Clerk says, Pablo, would you take Ceballos for £10 million?
1: No. <laughs> no. No, I don't think I would either. No.
0: Matt Armchat AF says we have trouble to we have found it a tr- trouble to score goals and create. Our defense is the second or third best. Surely more creative mid- op- midfield options are needed. Why not buy someone in those sort of attacking areas, maybe an Erdogan loan or Buendia? Do you think that do you think our problem this season has been the creation or just a lack of clinicalness in front of goal? Or the easy answer, both.
3: Uh, both, to be honest. We haven't, we, <laughs> we haven't created enough, but the times we have created, we have missed some right sitters. Throughout the whole season, you look back at some of the chances that Aubameyang's had, Saka's had, er, literally everybody. It's like they took it in turns, all missing, absolute sitters. So, But saying that, I still don't think we create enough, nowhere near enough, especially the beginning of the season before we played with the 10. Um, we, we was diabolical. Absolutely, diabolical. It has improved, um, but I still think someone like... I, I'll be honest, I'm really in for Bondia. <clears throat> I want to see him coming in. I know he didn't have a very good season in the Premier League. Uh, well, he had a good season, but just didn't score many goals. It was the fourth but, highest
0: chance of the in the entirety of the league when that year,
3: but... Yeah, exactly. So, he, even then, he'd done well, and players develop. They develop as they start getting older, start getting used to the league and stuff like that. They develop, and I think that if we got someone like Bondia now... He would be an amazing asset to our team. If you've got players like him and Martinelli who are hungry, I mean, he reminds me a little bit of like what well, Martinelli reminds me of him, him, of Martinelli, but the way they just sort of don't stop running. They're, they're, they're after everything. They want to create something out of nothing. They want to make it. They want to create. Where I think Odegaard, as much as I do like him as a player, I think he can be passive sometimes. Where it's like you sort of think to yourself, right, we need to. The only time I've actually seen him do it was against West Ham where he actually got the, ne- the game by the scruff of the neck and like pretty much won us the game. Apart from that, he's kind of like, he plays very nice football, really good through balls. He's running up and down. His effort's there, but he just doesn't have that bite sort of thing um, that Bondia has. So, to me, I'd prefer getting someone like Bondia in. Um, he'll be coming from, no disrespect to Norwich, from the team that's lower than us. Um Looks doing, but they are. Yeah, only yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they came up in the championship. By the end of next season, it might be higher. But yeah. is yeah. So to me, I think we're. He's a type of player that would want to come to Arsenal because to
0: him that will be a step up. Yeah. yeah. For that. Um, go on. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go
3: on. No, no. Go on. Yeah, I was going to say. So to me, that's that's the player that I want on an attacking
1: set.
0: Did a tactical breakdown, of course, on Buendia, if you haven't checked it out, literally earlier on today, a few hours ago. So make sure you check it out. I just want to, seeing as you brought up about his running, just for you guys that didn't see the tactical breakdown, this is how his heat map compares to uh, Grealish, Smith-Rowe, and uh, Martin Erdegar. It's insane. Like, this guy runs so much, and he, he covers such a huge area of the pitch as well. I mean, you can just see the intensity in comparison to those Others on the list. Grealish, of course, stays very much to the left-hand side. Um, but Buendia is just – I mean, even in his own half, this guy gets back and covers the right-back. Max Ahrens needs the cover because he is so offensive in that position. But he does cover that position so well. But if you want to find out more about Buendia and how he compares to those three statistically, make sure you go and check out our video from earlier on today. Um, Danny Tim O'Brien says, what do you think the transfer budget before sale revenue – Uh, is taken into consideration will be this summer
2: well according to the owners they're really 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 sorry and they'll never do it again (laughs) fingers crossed i'm very sorry and there's going to be big plans and we're we're all going to love them again because they're going to throw a lot of money at but i reckon the majority of our transfer budget is going to come from player sales they may give another 100 million but they're going to like with pepe that looked like a lot of money, 72 million, but that was a deposit and the rest over four four seasons later. So do you include um, long-term projections on on players, money spent, or do you just go, well, we've bought a player for 40 million, it's 10 million a season. Do you count 10 million this season or do you include the whole, the whole 40? They'll include the whole 40, we'll only include the 10 for this season. But then when the sales come in, sometimes when you sell a player, you don't, especially if it's Barcelona, it could be 20, 30 years that. before you ever get your money. So I I reckon maybe they're going to, hey?
0: Generous.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They didn't even want to pay us for Van Bronckhurst. And that's why they let us have Cesc Fabregas. They valued him at half a million pounds or something like that. Mm -hmm. Because yeah they couldn't be bothered to pay for it. They never pay for stuff. But then um, I think maybe they're going to chuck in 100 million and maybe another 70, 80 million pound in, um, in, in transfer sales of players, depending on what they get rid of. But hopefully, it's uh, it's two maybe two fifty is what we're going to spend on players this summer. Mm-hmm. At a very very push. But I wouldn't be surprised wow. if we only bring in three or four players. I wouldn't that's be surprised fantastic. if we don't spend. They don't spend actual any money, and he only lets in whatever you sell. That's what you can spend yeah. on players.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Like you say, two fifty. That's that would be in my mind unreal. Like I was thinking at one fifty. Yeah. But yeah. in in like in my yeah. mind, when you think about it, and I know that the reaction in the chat box might be two fifty. What you're talking about, but actually. If you think about the fact of how much we spend typically in a summer transfer window and have done, we, I mean, we spent five, nearly 600 million quid between 2015 and 2019 just on transfers. Mm-hmm. And we have spent upwards of 150 million pounds in windows on a self-sustaining model, as it is described. If we are supposedly to believe that we have these big plans incoming from the owners to invest, then what Danny says there of 250 or close to that figure should not be, it should not be a fantasy because if that is the reality that we've heard from the from the owners, then that's what we've got to expect. Include and that includes obviously player sales and stuff like that. But it's it shouldn't be far fetched to sit there and go, yeah, yeah two hundred fifty million quids. Well, you've said that you want to invest, so prove it because we spend one hundred fifty million without you doing that. So well, last I,
2: season, yeah. this season we spent eighty and we sold thirty. Season before that, we spent one hundred and forty and sold sixty. And the season before that, we spent 72 and made eight. So if they want to say sorry, 500 million and we're done.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Go on, Pablo. I was going to say, 250 million for uh, owners that turn down two, nearly 2 billion pounds because they don't need the money, shouldn't be a lot of money, really. You that, might be able to get
0: Joe Willett from Newcastle for that, if we're lucky. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Porter says, we don't want to enter the Conference Cup, yet we're opposed to the Super League because of its elitist kind of tendencies. Does this make fans hypocritical? The Cup Winners' Cup was huge, yet it wasn't the Premium Cup. I th- we did discuss this a little bit earlier on, Jonathan, in regards to kind of the hypocrisy of it. So if you want to find out the to that question make sure you do scroll back and listen to it i did um before i go on so there's a we've got about just over 10 minutes left so i did want to ask you guys a a hypothetical question that i asked people about the takeover a while back and about the ownership because i think i mean tell me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure all of us are cronky out uh, at this stage in time um i put this hypothetical scenario to some of the guests that jumped on it was some people from the chat box that wanted to join and i said if The Cronkies make good on all of these promises. I say the Cronkies, and when I say that, I mean Josh, because Stan doesn't give a toss, let's be real. Josh is the one that's involved. So if Josh Cronkey makes good on these promises, and what I mean by that is does these regular fan forums, does these uh, fan representation on the board, and is a little bit more open with the guide of where we want to go and doing regular kind of stuff like that, and on top of that, invests, like Danny's talking about there, and we end up spending roughly 200 million in transfer windows and this continues consistently for the next I don't know five seasons is your mind and I'll start with you Andy is your mind in any way and I notice you've taken some control back of your podcast recently no 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 mean <laughs> oh, oh I, was, I see <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that's right. <laughs> you own all of the members now, is what you're saying. Pablo is yours. You've, you've got him. <laughs> what,
1: what is a Pablo?
0: <laughs> anyway, if if they make good on all these promises and this goes forward, does, could your mind ever be changed on them? Is there any way that you could turn around and be like, you know what, fair enough, you've you've changed yeah. my mind? Yeah,
1: 100%. You know, I... I hate to harp on them, but but four years ago, I was one of the very few that got to sit in the room with Josh and hear him say off off camera, off, like off recordings. <laughs> yeah. Essentially and what been in me- a room
0: with Josh, you should know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> what the perceived I should get a t-shirt, what the perceived vision for Arsenal was. And as much as we hate him and as much as we call bullshit, there has been change, right? Well, we talked about it a little bit before, like the phases of him getting rid of Ivan, Arson. I mean, let's not forget. When Arsene Wenger was essentially fired, he moved to England for six months, and within three or four months, Arsene was gone, and then all of a sudden now Ivan's gone. So I think in hindsight, we are starting to see him change the board level, and hopefully that bleeds down. My biggest problem with the Cronkies has always been just like they should know to step up in a boardroom and go, 75 million for who? for Pepe t- wh- why what am i missing here they they should have that knowledge of global football which they don't and we all know the rumors that that was a little bit of a weird deal with raul and whatever but if in four or five years from now they invest in the squad they make themselves more i'm not going to say accessible to fans because i think that's a bullshit argument no ownership group should be accessible to fans you don't see it at any other club it shouldn't be the same in arsenal but If they make the accessibility for fans to know what's happening behind the scenes a little more with a voice on the board or, hey, we're going to have a pint, you know, like we've seen with the Sunderland managers. I know Thomas is doing it with Charlton coming up when COVID kind of relaxes its stance. So the relationship changes and we get more kind of transparency, then, yeah, I think all all is forgiven. But, you know, as Pablo said earlier, Leno has two bad games. Worst goalkeeper in the world. We need to sell him. If we make Champions League two years in a row, the Cronkies will get erected stadiums outside of Arsenal because that's our fan base, right? We're like – and then, hey, we drop into the Conference League again. We're tearing those down, and we're ripping them and lighting them on fire. So I do think things will be forgiven, but there needs to be more than just service of the mouth. We need to actually see them put forward the effort, and we're seeing it a little bit, but not enough.
0: Yeah, Kame and says, if they deliver everything we want and need, how can we say no? Said it once, I'll say it again. Forgive, but never forget. Danny, I'm interested to get your thoughts and I'll come to Pablo. Are you, Is there any way, shape or form that you would ever not be Cronky out based upon their actions if they change their ways? I don't think they should bother. If uh, Arsenal, the Arsenal fan
2: group community are genuinely arseholes, they are never, ever going to be happy. I'd say no. don't bother with it. Because Josh seems like a nice bloke. His dad just seems like a multi-business owner. And we were never, ever going to be... Because if we if want a player for a tenner, we'd be at ten, £10 million for a player. Man City will go, we we'll give you 20 and we'd we'll double his wages. Unless you're going to compete with that and then be able to win the league. I know Leicester did it, but that was a one-off. Unless you're going to be able to do that, then Arsenal fans are never going to be happy. We're never ever going to win the Premier League again. Oh, I mean, Nick, I wouldn't have been unless the uh, the Man City, unless uh, the FFP comes in and reform of clubs where they're not allowed to, and maybe um, a wage limit like they do in, in MLS and other sports like that. Unless things come in to make it a fair and even playing field, we're never going to do them. And when let, Sac- let, let
0: me challenge you on it, Danny. Let Go me, on. let me, let me. So I get what you're saying. And I've used this before. I've said, look, until you start spending like Man City, you're never going to get to that level. The argument against that, obviously one of those routes is you turn around and say, yeah, Leicester City, one-off situation, absolute fluke. But what I would argue is that if you look at Liverpool and you say how they have sold players really well, they've bought players really well, and they've done it without investment necessarily from the owners, they've just done it through good decisions being made behind the scenes, the same way that Leicester are now in Mm. the top four, that comes from the running of the club. So do you not think that it's worth them going and changing how they run the club to be a more successful football club rather than a successful, even though it isn't money maker, if you know what I mean. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think as a, as a club, the club is run well. I think we are one of the
2: only clubs in the league that can um, self-sustain on on match day revenue alone. Because plus we've got out some of the big earners are going to be leaving. Like we know, Özil's gone, Mkhitaryan's gone, Sanchez, and then um, uh, Louise and William, two other massive earners are going. All we need to do is get rid of a Young, and then we'll have a normal size wage wage bill coming up. But then it's going to be you ain't ever going to do it. Uh, look at Leicester; they've gone from Premier League champions, nothing, 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 FA Cup. So they've got worse. But their fans are satisfied with we've won the league once. Blackburn fans are still probably happy they've won the league. But Arsenal fans are never going to be happy because we've we've had a taste of being magnificent from 1998 to 2007. We were one of the best teams in the world, and then that's where you need like you were saying earlier, Andy. That's where we need to go back to ten years ago, and then things have gone downhill ever since then because the proper mm-hmm. investment hasn't been done. You're never going to do it because Man City are never ever going to let anyone else buy any. Like who was it? Nathan Ake what was it forty million for the fifth choice defender? How are, we going to be, how are we going to compete with that? Players, on they're, they're talking about bringing Messi in on half a million pounds a week. Arsenal are never going to do that. So Arsenal fans are never, ever going to... You could put anybody in charge of Arsenal. I mean, if this ecthic bloke thinks he wants to come and buy Arsenal, you don't know Arsenal. You do not want to be involved with running a club like this. Unless you're a, a diehard gooner like any of us are, then at least we could come and speak to the fans and go, look, realistically, we can't go and afford to pay £200 million for a player and then £400,000, what you know as Arsenal fans, but there can even some of the deluded morons on Twitter will go, why can't we do that? Spend all of your money that you spent generations make. Shut that, sell Walmart. Make Arsenal great again. Why? Why should they? The club is self-sustaining at the moment. He's making His empire is, is worth more money because Arsenal are worth more money because football is worth more money. We are, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't even make the top four for the next three or four seasons because you've got so many. Look, what's happened at Everton? They are chucking a hell of a load of money at that and they still haven't made the top four. And they'll do it again next season with Ancelotti. And then Liverpool, have, uh, even Liverpool haven't even gone out and replaced Van Dijk, which we thought they would do
0: in the summer. They've gone and bought that bloke from Preston who hasn't even played a game. What do you want though, Danny? Like, I understand what you're saying, and I get it. I get the whole argument of like, I there's no point, they're never going to be able to match Man mm. City, etc. But in my reaction the chat says, Why can't we have say owners that act like the Leicester owners that come to the game, celebrate with the fans? That emotion, that attachment. I get the argument saying, Look, what's the point of them investing because we're never going to be on that level of Man City, but do you not want? Do you not want an owner that is going to treat the club better? He's going to run it to try and be successful as much as possible. But if we
1: were successful, Tom, you wouldn't care if the owner was in the stands. None of us would Mm. because the city, the city owner isn't there every week. Roman Abramovich Mm. has been banned from entering England for so long. Like, you know, (laughs) at the end of the day, like if we were in the Champions League consistently and we were winning trophies and, you know, and let's be fair, like we have had a little good run of trophies. No one would care if the Cronkies were right. in town. 100%. No one would care right. that they're... Yeah, so... You're right.
0: There's, I can't deny that. I'd, I'd be lying if I said that. I think a lot of people in the chat would say, yes, oh, I'd love Stan Cronky to be on the pitch lifting a Death Cup trophy, How yeah. <laughs> ridiculous that image is. But obviously, I'd much rather if they didn't give a toss and we were still winning every single season. So yes, happen, you are 100% though. spot on.
2: But in the I'd... days of um, David Dean and the and yeah. Lord Hillwood and all that lot, that's when we had a board of people that are Arsenal fans and loved the club that would go a little bit way um, towards appeasing the fans. If one of us, one of us, a proper Arsenal fans, was on the board, running the club, owned the club, that that would appease them. But you need to get your head around it, Arsenal fans. We are never, ever going to be the club we were from 98 to 2006. That is never happening again until Man City, Chelsea, and uh, maybe even Everton. We're seeing Everton for years. I mean, they've got James Rodriguez, for God's sake one of the most expensive players in the world when he went from Monaco to to Real Madrid after a magnificent World Cup with Colombia. That's the kind of players they're bringing in there. We are not going to do that. We can't do that. I was Going back to the little thing we said earlier, Odegaard is too good for us. We can't, as a mid-table side, we can't afford to have luxury players like Odegaard. We need grafters like Willock. and That's where Arsenal are, people. And we won't, we're not even going to win the FA Cup. We're not going to win the Europa League. We're not going to win the Conference League. We're not going to win the FA Cup. Yeah. We might go back to maybe going, oh, I hope we get to the semifinals of the League Cup. That's where Arsenal are. And we need to stick with it and hope well, that we, we don't piss everybody off Cup. so much that
1: he goes. We're, we're, we're going nowhere as a club. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the conference question. But, but, here's, but Tom, Tom, t- to the point of the Cronkies, right? Like, if I would have pulled, if, if I would have um you know... 50% of the stadium last night who owned the Colorado Avalanche, I don't know that, that half the owners would understand it was Cronky. Like They've put a general manager in place. His name is Joe Sackick, and he's essentially like the Thierry Henry of the Avalanche, greatest player that ever played, one of the greatest in the sports, and he's the one who's the face and the name of the club. So if anyone was like, who makes all the decisions, they're going to instantly go to Joe Sackick. They're not going to know who the Cronkies are, much like a lot of football supporters – don't really know who owns their club, right? So I just I think if anything, you know, we need to look at it with it shouldn't be Stan or or Josh there. It's it Raul. Vinay's a fucking joke. The guy's an idiot. (laughs) You know how the fuck he even squirmed his way into the position he's in. That's where people need to be pissed off is that Vanai has the seat that he has on our fucking board. That should be a Dennis Burkamp type role, right? That's I a be fruity
0: language. Told you.
1: Well, he, 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 he earlier messaged that his kids were asleep so we could yeah, go I'm in. So. I did it. Yeah, I did. Like, all this hatred going towards cronky sports. Like, there, the hatred for Cronky should be get that fucking idiot out of his seat and put in someone who is a little bit more knowledgeable of how to run a football business, not just a business, but a football business. That's what annoys me, because when I met Vinai and we asked him questions, he was fucking clueless. He didn't know his head from his ass. And I just <laughs> sat here thinking, I could do your job like you could pay me, Cronky, half the money and I would be better at his job.
3: See, yeah. now that's what Daniel Wick sold me on was the fact that he was talking about yeah. getting the Arsenal supporters involved and he then was going to you got, he, you had the Henri Camp Vieira sort of all going to be involved and stuff like that. Um, that is what sold me because to be honest with you, I, I, you know me, you know my views and it. I want Cronky out, but that's because of all the lies and broken promises and lack of investment in where we are at the moment. But If he starts then spending money, I don't really care if he's at the stadium or not. I want to see my team, Arsenal Football Club, doing well. And I probably agree with Andy to a certain extent that, yeah, we're not going to be that club that is going to be winning titles season after season. But if we're challenging, if they can get us back to a stage where we're challenging for titles, yeah, then you you always get the odd club like Liverpool, Leicester and stuff like that that just keep poking in. So you'll have City will have a consistent run. Chelsea will probably have to try and have a consistent run. And then you have the odd clubs coming in. At the moment, because of the way football has changed from back in the days when we had Wenger with Juan and Bergkamp and all them and we was winning doubles and all this sort of stuff, football has changed so much that you have to just accept for what it is. It's all money-based at the moment, Mm. yeah? So I would be personally quite happy to see Arsenal Football Club challenging for titles or being challenging for top four. And if we win one out of five or six seasons, I'll I'll, be, I'll take that. I would actually take that. And I know it might be quite a low expectation for my football team, but I, I'm realistic. I know that Cronkeys yes. are never going to try and keep up with Man City for money or with Chelsea for money. So we've got to take what we can. And I think that, like I say, if they invest the money and get somebody on there that's got a football brain, because... Seventy million for Pepe or seventy-five, whatever it was. Yeah, it's it's just outrageous. It's literally and and that's
1: where (laughs) like that that's where like the fans think. Well, if we have a fans' voice, we can stop the Pepe transfers. No, that's not how it works. You're just gonna get all those fans said
0: John Raul when we actually bought Pepe. Like, remember
1: that? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're the same fans who think. Well, if I have a voice on the, then I get to stop it. No, no, no. You're gonna get minutes from the from the 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 notes of what happened at the board meeting that's all that means and then they're going to give you maybe a five minute sounding board of how the fans react if kronky was smart right if he picked up the phone right now and said andy come down to the pepsi center sit with me and tell me what to do i would say do what ike is doing and get some of these legends on your board to help edu and arteta control this situation and then have them come back to the fans for conversation if you put ian wright on that board of directors, he'd be the first person when he heard Pepe for 75 million. The words coming out of his mouth would have been much like mine earlier a lot of f bombs being dropped. What are we doing? So, if if Cronky's smart, he builds that board with some of these Arsenal legends. And the one thing that I've heard about is it Ike or Eck?
0: Eck.
1: Eck. When you article. said Eck,
0: like. I was like, are we t- who yeah, are you sorry. talking about
1: <laughs> like, M well, this conspiracy
0: courage. theorist guy yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, sure, nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah hers was saying that he thought this act kind of transfer was him just kind of boosting his ego and like his his you know social media accounts. and I read an article I'll have to share it with you guys. I mean, it literally was like the guy has entered into business dealings with no chance and he gets what he wants, and I think what he's doing is absolutely brilliant. He's bringing in legends. He's going to get the fan base back into the Emirates next season. And a good friend of the pods, Tom Rosenhammer, last year or two years ago in L.A., Kroenke exactly. stood up and he started to chant, we want Kroenke out. Even the Bayern Munich fans were singing that with us, right? <laughs> and I'm telling you, I think there's going to be a lot of that. And I do think that there's a possibility. But as Danny said, just because he comes in as owner doesn't mean this all changes and we're dropping $500 million a summer. That's not what's going to happen. He's not that rich.
2: Yeah. No, it's amazing I mean, that most Arsenal fans you know. know fuck all about football. If you morons knew anything about football, you wouldn't be sat here watching <laughs> us. Remember that. Tom, <laughs> All about football the most of you put together and he's not even running a club. Remember that.
0: You lot, you don't know shit. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I get relegated on Football Manager, so I just, <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, I get bored with it to be honest, and I just sack in all the good players and see what I can do with the youth Um But how do I finish off this show now with all of this? It's obviously. I want this club to succeed. I want it to get back to where it was. The the realistic thing is that when Arsenal were winning all these titles that we think about and we go back to it and the, the whole rhetoric of, oh, but we're Arsenal football club, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we were Arsenal football club in the days where there weren't billionaires and you won the league through good recruitment and good youth production and the good identification of talent, bringing your players with the good managers we had at the time who was very good for that type of football and that type of club during that type of football It's not like that anymore. So the whole argument of, but we're Arsenal Football Club, but my expectations are higher, does not apply. It does not categorically exist now. Fact. However, Arsenal still should, with the size of club that they are and the money that they have been able to bring in because of the standing that they had when football changed, should aim to try and get as high as they can. And that is only going to happen through good recruitment, Good selling, good appointment of coaches, and good decisions from an executive level, which has categorically not happened over the last ten seasons and maybe more. We have failed to spend well. We have failed to sell well. We have appointed the wrong guys at the wrong time. We have got rid of the wrong guy, or rather got rid of the right guys, but got rid of them at the wrong time. We kept Wenger for too long. We appointed Unai Emery, which was the stupidest decision we made. We then went and got an inexperienced coach to replace him, to take a club that was in the lowest possible position ever to bring them out of that position, who I thought at the time, and I hold my hands up fully and go, I was so stupid to think that we were in a position where we could take a bit of a risk. We wasn't. And that's why, as Danny says, I'm not in charge of a football club because I was fine with that at the time. But clearly that was wrong. And we should have gone with someone that was going to get the club to where it needed to be. And it's not going to happen at the moment. But we need to know that if a takeover happens, and you need to be real, as as Andy says, they aren't going to come in and spend loads. They aren't going to come in and invest. They aren't going to click the financial takeover on FIFA career mode and buy loads of players. It's not going to happen. But what we do need to happen is just good decisions on a consistent basis. And... That is what is needed at Arsenal Football Club, and that is the only way that things change. Um, and it's as simple as that, As to be honest. I think that's probably where we'll end today's show um thank you ever so much everyone that has tuned in this evening uh, really do appreciate your time there's been a lot of good debate and differing opinions which is what we strive to achieve so if you have enjoyed it and even if you haven't please still do click that like button um and of course if you are new to the channel and want to subscribe we're obviously on our way now to 23,000. so we'd much appreciate if you join us on our journey to try and reach that um, I'm finally thanking everyone on my panel. We are very, very honoured to be joined by the 25% owner of Spotify and Arsenal in Andy. Thank you so much. Much appreciated time.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. If you're wanting more Arsenal chatter, head over to uh, – what's the name of my pod again? Uh, the the same mode also is, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Uh, with Craig and Lee Gunner, uh, no, wait, he's gonna kill me for that. I meant, uh, uh, who's the bald guy again? (laughs) Oh my god, (laughs) bring it at me, judges! Bring it at me, judges! No, head head over to the gooners pod. Mike has Rebecca, yeah. That's oh, he's sweet. gonna get so angry! Uh, head over to the oh, Gooners Pod. I think Mike's got Rebecca Lowe on right now, who's with NBC, um, and uh, I think Kevin Campbell, Lee Dixon, some other folk are on there with him. So
0: there you go. Make sure you check them out. That's the Gooners Pod. Just Danny, in-
1: you've really upset some people in the chat room.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah. see Danny goes? This is the first
1: podcast I've not enjoyed in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's
2: man. the truth you
1: can't deal with the truth get out of the kitchen that's
0: insane. <laughs> that's, fine. that's it's fair enough it, you got to accept different opinions the, the, the thing is is that we've built a community here the whole point of everyone in the chat box is that you are here because you know that we are welcome of all opinions as long as they're respectful Danny's not told any of you to F off he's just given his view and his opinion and that's fine he might want to tell you to F off on Twitter and he can do that if he wants <laughs> um, I
1: uh has called me a pillock for swearing because i'm from america <laughs> no <you're not.
0: laughs> what? no i'm not
1: he's english sorry. oh goodness S- sorry man. sorry for swearing Bora. my apologies
0: oh my finger slipped on the block button um pablo um it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have you mate as always fella Brilliant, thanks for having us. It's been quite an educational podcast. I
3: actually found out what a Gooners pod is. <laughs> <laughs> and our
1: guest next week will be Pablo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, brilliant. Honestly, truly could have gone on all night here talking about this. is quite quite good fun, really good fun.
0: There you go. So thank you so much, everyone that's tuned in, of course, and uh, and we will see you for tomorrow morning's 8am show, which is all about transfers and includes no swearing, guys. So you're all welcome, <laughs> none whatsoever. Um, but no, uh, we will be back tomorrow talking about loads of transfer stuff as we try and make sense of the rest of the transfer window, and hopefully we'll see ourselves spending 500 million pounds uh, this summer, <laughs> which is the estimate. We'll see you again very, very soon, and as always, up the Arsenal.